Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Zenway Podcast. I'm your host Zenway, where I will be talking everything about life, career, and tech. Uh, I have been spending my last decade in uh, my career in you know uh, health tech consulting and also in banking as well and right now I'm taking a career break so I'm trying to kind of discover fascinating insights and trying to build this podcast into open. So today for this special episode I have my colleague, uh, my ex-colleague I should say and also uh, a dear friend and she's also studied psychology in the past and you know obviously we end up being colleagues in, in, in tech right so I want to find out what happened you know you, sh- you shared with me a lot of stories in the past around like how you started wanting to study psychology uh, but I wanted to see what parts of those stories that we can share today um, I wanted to also maybe ask her about studying in Scotland as well because Scotland is not a very popular destination for, for, for studying right so I want to see how, how is it like <laughs> studying over there right so now why not uh, uh, we start off by you know maybe uh, introducing yourself a little bit in terms of you know how you uh, you know start your career and, and, and how's it going so far right uh, thanks, Zen, for having me. Yes, hi everyone, I'm Nabila. So I started my career about like six years ago. So I started uh, studying psychology and then I moved to management consulting, focusing on innovation consulting. And then I joined Zen in a digital mental health tech startup. Um, I was supposed to be looking at product, but I kind of did everything with Zen. Uh, when we first started out, then eventually looked into more product management role. And yeah, now here I am, um, looking into venturing more product management specific roles, um, but that could change depending on what my heart tells me. Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think we, it's been quite popular. I think uh, one of our friends were telling us that you know she's been observing that uh, you know people around her has been you know taking taking a career break and you know rediscovering uh, what they wanted to do after doing uh, you know several years of something right so i guess you're probably in a in a, in a similar yes. like a space as well yes right? i'm one of those yeah. yes <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i wanted to kind of start off with uh, i guess you know how you started uh, to you know be curious about psychology in the first place right uh, you know does it have to do with uh, I guess your that your friends, your school, your family. You know, tell us a little bit about that. Um, so to be honest, when I first graduated from school, so high school in Malaysia, like SPM, so we have like, mm-hmm. and when we when we seventeen, and I remember for the first time in my life coming out of school, um, I was given the options to decide what pre U do you want to do, what matriculation do you want to do, where do you want to go, and everything. And all of a sudden, within like weeks, I was expected to decide where my career was going to be and that moment I was like I've never had to decide anything for my education so like a bit of background in my schooling days I didn't have tracks to choose from I was oh, like really? you had to do science like yeah, 100% yeah, yeah. oh okay right and was, the subjects, was, that, was that the expectation from your family or no the school the school <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I literally it even was, better the society have decided for you <laughs> I didn't have to do all I need to do is just attend the classes right, and right. do the exams okay, okay. and it was set at nine subjects for the high school bit yeah. and I never had to pl- decide any bit of my education okay. in any shape or form. And then one day after graduation, I was expected to decide the subjects, despite which country I'm going to, decide which degree I was going to, and yeah, it was overwhelming. Uh, and to be honest, from my uh, family perspective, everyone was health background, mm-hmm. so that's all I knew. Right. Um, so I was like, hey, never mind, I'll pick the safe route, go something sciencey. And then when it was time to decide which degree I wanted to do, um, I was still overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. And I felt like 
oh my god, like if I decide now, will that change the whole course of my life? Will I regret? There were so many thoughts in my mind because I never decided anything for education. And then um, I decided, died back, I was like, you know what, think about what I want to learn. Let's not think about career, let's not think about prospect. Think about things that I genuinely wanted to be curious about and wanted mm -hmm. to learn about. So that was psychology. So growing up, I'm a bit different from my siblings and my family members. I'm a bit of a, a rebel, I'd say. So we have, I have different thinking, uh, different from my siblings. So in terms of belief, perspectives, thoughts, and everything. So I kind of observed this while growing up, and I realized that I was so different. And I realized, like, is it just me, or is it is everyone like that? Mm -hmm. And I was so interested with the whole individual individual differences. And I think that was the reason why I was like, you know what? I'm curious. I'm genuinely curious about psychology. And I wanted to learn about it. So, to be honest, I didn't think through. Mm. I was like, psychology was something I wanted to learn. For the first time in so long, for education, I can decide what I wanted to learn. So, psychology was it. Right. So, yeah. Right. And you've mentioned that your family are all, uh, you know, health backgrounds. Yeah. So, were they expecting you, you're going to be a psychiatrist, which is technically a doctor. So, therefore, still living up the Asian stereotype. Like, yeah, hey, she's going to be a doctor, just a different yes. type of doctor. Or was it like a... <laughs> so any kind of conversation there? Uh, actually, I didn't have any conversation. My parents were like, "Okay, so it's either be a doctor or a dentist," and I was like, <laughs> "I don't want either," <laughs> because I do. I see my siblings, and it's a commitment because you know, yeah. once you study, it's not easy. It's five years, and you have to do specialization afterwards and stuff like that. And I know my my siblings, they love their job and they love the industry. But to me, I was like, I was a confused little lamb, and like. To be dedicating myself for that time of point of time, I realized it was too much of a commitment, and I realized that you know what, do something I love, and yeah. So I had to present my case to my parents why I wanted to do psychology. Mm -hmm. So I practiced my pitching skills at wow. that point. And starting them young. Starting them young, I would say they did they, they, they did treat me well, but yeah, yeah they had like it's was it's as if I'm pitching for money, which is true also because they were funding <laughs> yeah. my education. Yeah, I'm paying for my fees. You gotta have a strong case for this. So <laughs> I had to build my case. Yeah. So yeah, so that was it actually. Yeah. Right. Do you remember what was the what was your I don't know because it's a pitch, right? What was your punchline? Is like therefore this is the right choice. Uh, so the actually they were not convinced at all. <laughs> Uh, I the, the so questions bombed it. I bombed it. Right. My parents were like, "What's the prospects?" Right. I think my parents were very, very um, concerned yeah. because she said they were, you know, doctors, accountants, engineers, yeah. um, the professionals, a confirmed job. I mean, from their lens right. of life, right. and they were like, "You know, you be a doctor, no matter what, no one can replace you." I agree. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. now I mean, we see tech helping decision making yeah. in the healthcare industry, yeah. but for me, they wanted to make sure that I was fine. Mm -hmm. And psychology and then me coming into the pitch, obviously not doing well. I was like, oh, you know, you never know what's going to happen afterwards. <laughs> Clearly not, not acing it. And, uh, but they were, they were okay. I think they, I kind of made it very clear that like, I don't want to limit myself with things I don't want to do. Uh -huh. And I don't want to look back and waste your money, five, six years, you know, depending if I have to reset and whatnot. I don't want to burden them that way. And yeah, so they were like, okay, you do this. I'm giving you the money. If you fail or you not fail, it's on you. You better sell it and you better mm. achieve and whatever. And they wanted to be a clinical psychologist at the end. Because <laughs> they were so obsessed over the word DR. Right. And then I was like, eh, okay. Like, I mean, I just took what I could get. Uh -huh. And after graduating, I was like, nah. <laughs> I realized that 
uh, I mean, we were exposed to a lot. We were obsessed. Uh, we were exposed to forensic psychology, yeah. um, organizational psych, a lot of things. And I did internship in organizational psych. I also did internship in clinical psych. I realized that clinical psych wasn't my mm-hmm. my way. Right. And I realized that when I graduated, my parents were so excited. They were like, "Oh, so do clinical psych." And I was like, uh, okay, so I was in Scotland. So in Scotland, you had to do research years. Um, so either you do your own papers or be research assistants. Mm-hmm. So one year I took um, to just do research to in, in hopes to be a clinical psychologist. Mm-hmm. And while I was doing all that, I realized I was so confined. Um, I felt like I was the hamster. I was the rat, the lab rat. Mm-hmm. I felt like my impact was just bounded by the four walls of the lab. And that was when it hit me, like, I, I don't want to do psychology anymore. I don't want to do clinical psychology. I mean, solely psychology. Right. And yeah, so that's when I took the pivots. So <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it. Yeah, but what was it like studying uh, in, 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 in Scotland, right? Did you did, did, you did some, I, I don't know, some uh, some pre-U subjects over here or you just went straight to, 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 to Scotland? What was it like over there? So I did A-levels for 18 yeah. months here in KL, in right. Malaysia. And then I flew there. So in Scotland, slightly different. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't studying purely psychology. I did chemistry and biology as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fun. It was, it was quite, quite cool. Their structure is that why by the time you're second, third year, you actually have the option to change to the other subjects. Mm. So if let's say you decide psychology is in the way, you can go to chemistry or biology, regardless right. of which direction you want to go. Um, so it was quite fun. Um, it was great that they allowed us to have that, you know, op- like, I guess, options to kind of look through and study what you like. So that was really nice. And they were very open in terms of like, if you're not sure, it's okay, let's try this out. There were mm. so many modules to choose from. Wow. Um, but yeah, I actually really enjoyed studying mm. there. Yeah. Right, right, right. And in terms of choosing Scotland, was that an intentional uh, choice or you applied various places and you know that, that's the place that kind of like gave you a space, right? So for psychology that year, so 20, 20, 2012, 2013, um, psychology was one of the top unis, uh, uh, it was Glasgow. So that's mm. why I applied for Glasgow. So yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's pretty much. Was it. there someone that said that was you were you choosing it because it's too fancy? It's like some exotic location. Or? Actually, at first I didn't want to go like central London uh-huh. uh, because I felt like I wanted to be somewhere where I could be like really out, you know, out in the overseas, you know, because I feel uh-huh. like London was very Malaysianized with a very European right. country. So There's like a the... lot of Malaysian students there oh, and yeah. a lot of families go travel there as uh-huh. well. It's a very nice country and city. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Scotland itself, no, not Menlop wants to go there because it's like in the middle of nowhere. Mm. <laughs> it's cold, it's gloomy. Um, so you want to force yourself to really learn the culture yeah, over there. Yeah, and be on my own, you know, right. so that you don't succumb yeah. back to that comfort zone of you being back to the same Just culture back with, Malaysians with the Malaysians. Yeah, right. yeah, so that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think, yeah. like, uh, you know, I've, I've studied locally, right? But, you know, after hearing, uh, you know, various people when they uh, study overseas, that's, that, yeah. that's what tends to happen, which is, which, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But yeah. it's just your comfort zone and it's, it's comfortable. Like you said, it's always like gloomy over there and, you know, you, you find a lot of comfort with you know, familiarity. Yeah. So kudos to you for, for choosing a place to just want to really just, yeah. you know, try something new and, you know, be, uh, be kind yeah. of dependent and, 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 and learning all that, right? Yeah. So in terms of like, um, become, you know, that moment where you realize that, hey, I'm confined into this four walls and you know just in a lab being a clinical psychologist is kind of not your thing yeah. you, you mentioned that you you, you uh, did uh, organizational psychology as well and all that were you were you were you more inclined uh, to do those kind of things at that point of time or 
Yeah, so I think at that point, uh, I mean, from my lens, uh, psychology could be one way or another. It could yeah. be bringing um, those who need help to, you know, be um, daily functioning, mm-hmm. and another group that is actually unleashing their potential. So I think organizational psych experience that I had with one of uh, a firm in Malaysia was that like I was in the HR team. And I think it was really looking at unleashing their potential and growing them and whatnot. I think that spoke to me more than, you know, a general clinical side. Mm. So, right. yeah. So when you picked your, so I guess, you know, that brings us to like, okay, you've, you kind of know that, okay, you know, the, the field of psychology, you can still bring some value mm. uh, into your next job, even though you're not going to pursue your, your, your uh, yeah. uh, into becoming a you know, mental health professional. Um, your, tell us a little bit about your first job, right? You know, how did you pick your first job or was, did the, did the job pick you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that life picked you, you didn't pick the job. And yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. So yeah, I got back from Scotland uh, because I kind of miss my parents. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, so I got back and then I was back to square one. I didn't want to do psychology and that was all I knew for the past four or three years. And then um, I was like, okay, I want to bring impact. And I was like, just, you know, I had puzzle pieces in my brain. I was like, I don't know where to start. And my parents are all from the health background and they yeah. were like, oh, who told you to do psychology? <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, so I'm on my own. So they didn't ask say like, you know what, just go and do your master's at least. They didn't force me, thank right. God. Wow. Uh, okay. I think they were like, they were kind of putting me on my own, which also I appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, you decide what you want. We honestly don't know either. So yeah. they were like, you do whatever you want. So I think where I started off, because at that time, management trainee programs were huge. Yeah. I think you were in the first few batches, but by the time I graduated, <laughs> it was like every firm had like a management trainee program. Yeah. And I was like, uh, okay, obviously peer pressure. And I was like, hmm, maybe like uh-huh. I should go one of those if people yeah. like it, right? Um, so, but I think when I got back, I think it was a very odd timing. So it wasn't like a opening or interview stage. Mm. So I was like, okay, so if I was, I researched a bit what management training programs were like, and they were like, okay, so the general basis is basically understanding how organizations were, you know, looking rotations and understanding yeah. industries and stuff like that. Yeah. So I pondered on consulting and mm. I was like, mm, how bad can it be? <laughs> <laughs> so then I applied because I was like, you know, I was still intimidated. Yeah. I felt like in psychology, I mean, for me, I felt like I wasn't technical enough. Mm. I didn't have any, I guess, professional background. Because you don't know business. I never, I, we, yeah. we never studied accounting. No. We, yeah, even for, I don't know, like we didn't, we don't know marketing. Exactly. You know, yeah. It was like literally, yeah, I mean, psychology yeah. taught me, I guess, un- eval- I guess, uh, appreciating perspectives Reasoning, and there's never yeah. uh, outcome. Uh-huh. There's never one plus one, but it's yeah. always like, it, depends. it could be too, uh, you know, like, so I actually appreciated uh-huh. that, uh, but I did feel a bit insecure about where do I go next, right? Because uh-huh. I didn't have the skill skill. Right. Um, so then I applied for this uh, boutique innovation consulting firm and they were very kind enough <laughs> to <laughs> take me in. And I was very, very lucky because they were, I, I, when I think the first week I told them what my concerns were because I wasn't sure about business. I didn't even know how to talk to people. You know, I was, I had a very huge imposter syndrome with like not being able, I mean, you're expected to know the industry the moment you walk into a client meeting and I was very like anxious, mm. you know, not sure if I know enough and everything. And thankfully, they guided me uh, very well in terms of like what's expected, how you can do. They gave me so many resources, books. They put wow. me into programs, which was very helpful. Mm-hmm. And I think it really boosted a bit of my confidence here and there. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's how I found my first job. And it did its job, honestly. I was exposed to so much. I understood how businesses work. 
our, I, my communication skills, that's where I think I learned most from, speaking to from project management and stuff like that. Although it wasn't as structured than I hoped it was, but honestly, it was as structured and it was the best. Wow. I mean, you kind of like learn on the go. Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't have known because like I I knew you I knew you when uh, when we were in 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 Thoughtful, right and yeah. you know your communication skills I that was the last thing that was of a concern. Uh, oh. for, I mean like you've always communicated with a lot of confidence and, and all yeah. that right? at least at least from the outside in perspective yeah, yeah, right yeah. so so it's interesting how uh to 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 hear that you know that that years kind of like shaped uh, who you are. Yeah, yeah it, did. it being a boutique consulting firm. Mm. Uh. Did you look for them or, or you would you just Google like consulting firms and, and, and their name kinda of popped up? I Googled and it came in it popped up. Oh. So I was looking um so there were a lot of different types of uh, consulting firms, yeah. right? And yeah. I was looking primarily in innovation mm. or something new. So okay. that's why they popped up. So they're focusing on innovation consulting. Um why I looked at innovation was like my obsession over driving impact, right? Mm. And I was like, okay, I want to do something new, something people have never heard of. So I thought, okay, innovation, innovation consulting, hmm, like that kind of spoke to me at that point of time mm. and yeah that's why I found them yeah. right and you know what I appreciated about you know having worked with you for, for, for several years was yeah. you, know, you, you being able to kind of understand and work with like technical team members as well mm. um, was it was it something was it a curiosity that you also had in your in your in your younger days or was it the innovation firm that helped you to kind of gain those uh, skills and, and, and knowledge around those areas right? because you are able to work with engineers to be able to kind of uh, worked out the, the different specifications and requirements into yeah. something that is actually workable, right? Yeah. So curious a lot about you know what are some of your key learnings when it comes to tech and also I guess other areas. Uh, you know when you were with the uh, innovation firm. Um, the innovation consulting firm really pushed me to the tech side. So mm. I never would have imagined imagined myself like six seven years ago upon graduation I would have never thought I would be a PM ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened in con- the consulting firm because we were quite small. Uh, so the consulting firm had their own um, innovation management software. So it's like a little SaaS that they were doing. And uh, I was dragged into the software team to mm-hmm. just like help out testing, you know, and just make sure things are okay, launches here, there. And then eventually I find it quite exciting. I was like, oh, okay. So eventually I started embedding myself more. So I was actually not forced to. I kind of just be put there, oh, put my hands there. Okay. Yeah. And then like literally when they have stuff going on, I'm like, I want in like Mm. I want to be more involved and I think that time of uh, my life I was really curious like I literally was so open to anything like even for consulting firm uh, for the consulting projects even for like if it's for a different industry that I've never heard of some company that I've never knew it existed like I'm like I want in you know I just want to know what's happening and everything because I was just really eager to learn and I think with the software team, when that happened, I was like, ooh, a whole new world. Mm. And that's when I realized, like, you know, how to speak to engineers, how to speak to designers. And right. um, it was actually a gradual learning, honestly. But back then, it was like maybe 60, 40 or 70, 80. So 70% being consulting and maybe 30% being software uh, work. Um, so that's when I realized the more I did software and mm. the more I did consulting, I realized that software spoke to me more. Right. Um, and I just wanted to focus more on that from a career perspective rather than the consulting mm. aspect right. of that job. Yeah. Yeah. For those who are not very familiar with the consulting world, mm. right? Uh, the the common stereotypes are <laughs> after spending six years there, the common stereotypes are they do pretty slides. Uh, they mm. say things that we already know. <laughs> they don't know as much as we think they are. You know. <laughs> 
and all that kind of stuff, right? So how much of it was, was the, how much of it did you experience, right? In terms of like, you know, how much of PowerPoints that you needed to do before yeah. you kind of like, you know what, this is like, software is pretty, pretty much interesting. Yes, uh, yeah. I remember the last last consulting project I did yeah. was uh, an entrepreneurship framework for the yeah. Ministry of Education. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was speaking to a lot of like uh, government bodies, a lot of universities in Malaysia, and amazing stuff. And then like I realized that was like you know your power of actually executing it, your power of actually bringing and delivering impact from all your beautiful plans, mm-hmm. all your beautiful slides, was limited. Like I felt that that was it. Like you know, once you've done your job, and you pass it to the person in charge, you don't know when it's going to be executed. Mm. You don't know um, whether it worked well. Right. You don't know whether you can improve it further because you don't have the results from the first round. And I think that was when I realized, like, hmm, yeah. I I I think consulting may not be for me for right. now at that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I mean, after a few years, when I uh, after spending a few years in consulting, I felt like. Yeah the biggest impact that you can have as a consultant, regardless of what kind of project you are, you're there. Um, most of the time, the clients hired uh, you, they kind of have their answers uh, yeah. in their head. They have a few hypotheses that in their head. So mm-hmm. it, it could be that they don't have the resources or the firepower to, to, to execute it or to yeah. think about it. Or it yeah. could be something that is quite risky that they're not sure, right? And I think um, the, 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 the best way to approach it is really to kind of ensure that you've done your homework and to be able to understand um, it's a lot of stakeholder management, I feel. So right? much. Right? Yeah. Um, being able to really work out a way that, uh, you know, they, that they can accept. Because at the end of the day, if you propose something that is too drastic, in my opinion, that, you know, it is going to be a, a, a uphill battle trying yeah. to kind of get, get buy-in so that it can be executed like what you mentioned, right? Agreed, yeah. And then the, I think the other learning that I, I, I kind of had is that um, it's really related to this Harvard, Harvard article that is talking about how uh, consultants on a job, right? They're constantly facing the anxiety of looking stupid in front of the clients. Yeah. <laughs> because a lot of times they are pushed into areas that they, are, they, are, that they may be new or, yeah. you know, they're just inexperienced as compared to the clients who's been I in know, the industry yeah. for like 20, 30 years, right? Mm. But at the same time, they need to learn really fast, yeah. right? And they need to be able to kind of project that kind of confidence. So it's not that they're a scam artist or whatever, but, um, you know, they are paid for thinking skills. They're paid for problem-solving skills, right? Would, yeah. you, would you agree on that? I agree. And I think one challenge that I had back then was that I came out of uni mm. and I was fresh. I am learning on the go in, yeah. in the business and, you know, your industry and your company. And I think, like, projecting that amount of confidence really took, like, a... I was not comfortable with it at all because mm. it was, like, you telling someone, like you said, like, 20, 30 years in their job not even in the industry, they've been doing that for so long and you come in and you tell them that, hey, this is not efficient, we're going to try this another way mm-hmm. and tell me how whether this works. And you're like nobody who just yeah. came out of uni. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, that's the value of consulting, to be honest, because it's a fresh new perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can be annoying for people, but honestly, like, it's good to get as much perspective and, you know, um, input from wherever you can. So I think that's where consulting comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, do you remember like a... The most interesting client conversation that you had, uh, you know, the probably the most challenging one, or maybe the most uplifting one, you know, whichever you you, you pick, right? Um, oh. Just to share, kind of like, you know, what's what's it like a day in the life on an innovation consultant? Oh right? God, yeah. Uh, so there was a company. Oh, this is not really positive, <laughs> but uh, I think uh, dressing up, you know, I mean, as a, I mean, mm. for me as a woman, like you, to look more professional, to look more seasoned, to look more 
capable like we had to put on i guess better more serious looking clothes or you know put on your makeup and so on which honestly didn't really mind me i really think it was difficult or annoying uh but when i came into the room it was a bunch of like people like maybe 50s and 60 year olds and they were maybe double or triple my mm. age and I came in and we were brainstorming. So it was actually a session to kind of like, you know, and I was a facilitator. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, the, my job there was to get you guys thinking in a process, in a structured manner. Yeah. And then we can look into solutioning. And I remember the first time I sat into the room and they were like, no, you tell me what to do. Hmm. They were so resistant. And I remember there was this one, the oldest guy in the room. I think he was the one who has been working for like 20, 30 years in the right. company. Yeah. And he was like, you're the consultant, right? I'm like, you tell me lah. You've been working, you know the company in and out, can you tell me? Mm. And yeah, it was very um, intimidating. I remember my heart pounding out of my chest. Um, <laughs> but then uh, I guess that's where the confidence come in. Right. That you're just like, the way you talk, uh-huh. how to squeeze, like, you know, yeah. like you turn around, run about here, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> remember you, what you said? Like, yes. Yeah. Oh, the, I do not remember what I said. <laughs> I It was so, I, I remember I was just wrapping it up. I was like, yeah, correct. I'm here to guide you. <laughs> you know, and you know, we're in this together. We're partners. You know, I don't know yeah. as much as you. Like, yeah. I was basically putting myself down, but also putting myself up. Like okay. saying like how credible, how credible I am to match with them, but basically also giving them like you're amazing the honor the the respect that you want I'm just here to help you that kind of positioning and so the meeting ended okay ended okay it ended well Uh, so I think after the solution stuff came out and I was like yeah you know it's all you I'm just here that's what my role is just to Mm. make sure you unleash your potential I think I think it's a lot of like fanning their own ego that I had to do (laughs) that's like you know everything is you which is true you know I'm just there to help you out Uh, and yeah, so until today, actually, that guy, I think now he has uh, another respect level up for me. Yeah. So now he respects me, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of uh, confidence that has to yeah. come from within that yeah. I didn't know existed. Yeah. Um, I remember I had a similar story. I, probably yeah. we, we need to take a survey on this, right? <laughs> probably, How many yeah. consultants out there has been has been fed the same lines like you're the consultant? You tell me, right? Yeah. I had a similar story where you know like. It was a very senior guy as well. I, I went. I remember I went there. Right, I was very junior into my job as well, uh, and then uh, I was being tasked to bring uh, a junior consultant <laughs> with me. So two junior consultants, one one more junior than the other, decided to go and approach a senior stakeholder and to validate certain things. You know how like oh you know God. you came up with something, you still had gotta ask them questions like, hey, what yeah. do you think about this? Would this work? Would that work? Right. <laughs> so we went into a room, and then the guy was like, same thing, right? He's like. Hey, you're the consultant, right? You, yeah. you. Why are you asking me questions? Oh you God, should yeah. do your homework and <laughs> and tell me, right? Yeah. Why are you asking questions? Because in all due respect, you know, we pay you a lot of money. I said, then then he said, not you, but your your company. Yeah. Uh, so you so so you should do be you should be doing all the thinking for us, right? Then I, I similar to you, I do not know what I said. <laughs> I, do, I cannot. I, I, I do not know what I said. I all I remember was that you know we tried to end it on a good note and yeah. stuff like that. And he, I think he tried as much as possible to be respectful as well. Yeah. And then after that, we ended the conversation. Went back and cried to our Oh senior. my god! I mean, not not literally, but it was like, I was oh, like, oh no. my god, you know, yeah. it was terrible and stuff like that. So after that, what happened was talking about dressing up and all that, right, man? Yeah. Um, so my senior went in. So she. She went in with her blazer and all, oh, with a yeah. little bit of a thicker makeup or whatever, yeah, yeah, went yeah. in 
And man, his tone changed, okay? Like, mm. I'm like, oh my god, I must yeah. be looking like an intern back then. Or <laughs> Again, no rest. Menace, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so his, his, his tone changed, and, and I'm like, I'm literally saying the same thing. <laughs> wow. But the tone changed and stuff like that. So, like, yeah. wow, it's not easy, man, it's being not. in those kind of situations. It's not. Unfortunately, appearance played a big role. Like, I remember yeah. I literally went for shopping for clothes that made me older and, like, try to. Put on a hairstyle that was a bit more like you know yeah. so that people trust you, right. uh, which I can't blame. That's just how people work because mm. like you know if someone's gonna advise yeah, you, enough, right? yeah, you know why not? Yeah. Um, so it didn't really bother me, mm. um, but yeah, yeah, it's mm. actually underrated. That yeah. people remember what we talk about. <laughs> ah, yeah. So I mean, like, okay, then so then what? Uh, you did that for a few. You did that for a few years. Yeah. And then uh, then then come to uh, basically coming 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 to. Into the, your your latest role as well, right? Mm, and mm, what mm, was the mm, kind of mm. like, the the thought process coming into into this particular role, right? Uh, yeah. And, uh, and again, another common trait in consulting is that we all experience some <laughs> form of burnout. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. like starter kit for consultants, right? Yes. You know, put put burnout in there, right? So yeah. it's it's just so unfortunate. So like you know, what what made you uh you know pick the pick the pick pick the role with with with, with, thoughtful. Uh, with thoughtful, right? Yeah. Uh okay, so before the burnouts happened, yeah. uh so I think apart from being put into software teams and exposure to product development and stuff like that, mm. uh another project that was heavily leading was uh startup mindset programs that we were doing with corporates. Uh, so basically, we would have these startups come and do some sessions and sharing and some seminars with like corporates. Um, so looking at more adopting the mindset, adopting the resilience and so on and mm. so forth. Yeah. So I would sit in, in all these sessions and I would hear about all these startups doing their thing. And it's from all different industries. It could mm. be real estate, it could be right. sustainability and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I would sit there in my chair and I would think to myself like, wow, these people, I mean, you know, the company is not big. You know, they only have five, six people or ten people, but they're like literally in changing lives of like at least ten people in this world. You know, mm. twenty, thirty, or maybe hundreds, mm. and like changing you know, how the whole landscape of how things usually run. And I remember sitting there, and I'm like, damn, I would really like to have my own startup one day, if I find something or mm. be in one. Like I think I remember that that thought kind of just stayed with me for a long time. Mm. And then burnout things happen. <laughs> I think uh, there was a time that was like, I think the senior you got uh, when consulting, so the more projects, the more like roles and responsibilities came to you. And I think the burnout things kind of kind of crawled upon you. Right. And I think more and more, I felt like I questioned every work I did, every impact. Well, what was the outcome of it? Mm. I think internally, I just felt so confused. Right. I felt like, Everything I do, it was great. I saw the outcome. I saw the things, and you know, you see, everyone was like, "Yeah, this is a great idea. This is good." Blah blah blah. But I think that was just up to that point. And then there's also exposure to the impact startups that I'm like, hmm. Then I realized I think it's time mm. to make a change and go to a startup. But then at that point, I knew like startup is not easy, mm. no matter what stage you join, and it's like it has to be something at least that you're passionate in. Or else, there's no point of you putting all your blood, sweat, and tears. And I think while I was in consulting, I met uh, the company that we were, we were at, um, the CEO during an event. Mm. And I remember I was like, "Whoa, this like mental health is gonna be big in like Malaysia." And right. when I came, Malaysia had like psychology. The word psychology makes people like, "Oh, so you just work with crazy people." I'm it's like, that stage, right? the stigma was so yeah. insanely huge, yeah. and people were so scared to talk about their mental mm. health. 
And um, I think when she did an event, I volunteered because I was like, you know, I want to be part of this, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, then I think a few years later, uh, I was going through my own, like, I, I guess, crisis, career crisis. I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, you know what? I think if I want to join a startup now, I'm bringing impact and it should be something. And then I looked up, thoughtful. Yeah. And I realized like, oh my God, you guys are so big. I mean, the last time I saw you guys was like two years ago, one year ago. Yeah. And you guys are hiring. So I'm mm. like, okay. So <laughs> that's how I applied. And that's when I thought to use them during an interview. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, I remember that I, you, know, you reminded me that I wasn't even fully on the job yet. <laughs> yeah, you were like, you were just about to enter like two, three weeks. Yeah. And then, yeah, you were interviewing me already. Yeah. It was quite funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wanted to kind of like, uh, tap into this whole like curiosity right around the i think the, maybe around behind the thought process around like just being curious about these things right yeah. where do you think your your sense of curiosity come from because i what i realized as you're as you're talking around um uh, uh around you know into psychology and in, into you know, software and stuff like that it all began because of curiosity where do you think yeah. your curiosity came from Ooh. <laughs> what was your first mm. I guess memory of you being curious about something I suppose uh, yeah. I think okay so I, this is just me myself uh, nothing yeah. to do with my siblings nothing to do with my family <laughs> uh, disclaimer there but yeah. um, I think growing up you know being in an Asian traditional uh, family uh-huh. we have our rules right oh don't do this yeah. don't do that yeah. and I think that made me realise like why well, cannot <laughs> what happens if I actually do it you know am I going to get scolded that's it like okay. I start to like and I think your brain kind of like the naughtier you get, uh-huh. the more you think about like what's the repercussion, right. what's the next steps, you know, what's the worst that can happen, yeah. and what could be the other side, you know, that could potentially happen. And um, yeah, I remember like there was one time, uh, I really, uh, though I my parents were like, oh, you shouldn't, um, you shouldn't eat this because uh, it's not good. Because I'm from a Muslim family, mm. uh, so we couldn't uh, eat uh, uh, drink alcohol or uh, drink alcohol or eat pork. And I'm like, okay, yeah, fine. But I think I went to religious classes, mm. and I think when you were really young, they just tell you like you can't do that. Yeah. And I remember I'm like, what happens? <laughs> like, okay, cool, got it. Yeah. But like, why? Yeah. You know, like you start questioning. So these rules that was imposed on me in terms of different facets of life, yeah. that made me question like. Why? Why cannot? Why cannot? Mm. But obviously, I found my reasons for the religious aspect. I found okay. out my reasons later on. All right. But I think that just everything after that, I think I was just very naughty also. <laughs> la. But everything they said like, oh, do, cannot do this, cannot do that. And my parents also, I guess, they, they picked the safe route. You know, they're just like, you know what? I'm not going to explain. I'm too tired, maybe. <laughs> so they're just right. like, don't do this, don't do that. And I think eventually, I was just like, I started questioning everything. Mm. And right. curious. I'm very curious. I'm, I'm, I'm very Gra- g- grateful for the curiosity because obviously that has allowed you to yeah. uh, do what you did in the past, right? Uh, in yeah. terms of your, your, your career aspect. So, it, I think it's it's suffice to say, like in in early stage startup startup, you're you're right to say like mm. um, we kind of did everything, and you yeah, um, it's definitely not easy. Yeah, uh, and you need different kind of skill sets for yeah. sure. How do you think like now looking back, right? How do you think your skill set has expanded, uh, and Ooh. evolved? Yeah. To be honest, like I think when consulting happened, uh, or uni actually, or my high school experiences and stuff like that, mm. you know those things seem so insignificant while you're doing them. You're yeah. like, oh, it's just another day, and I think when you went in, in thoughtful at that point of time, I realized there were so many things that is accumulation of the skills that you have done mm. that actually build what you can deliver uh, mm. in the startup. Can you give an example? 
So communication. Right. So back then, I was. I think you were involved with my first pitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yes. that. I remember that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember so I had that, to yeah. do a pitch yeah, yeah. Uh, to a client, yeah. and it was so funny. I was I was really scared, and Zen was coaching me so kindly, <laughs> so patiently. Oh my god! <laughs> and um, so in school, I did uh, debates. Uh, and also public speaking, mm. and then in consulting, uh, I even did like a, cons- like a consulting project, like a program on how to pitch. You know, telling people how to pitch. I remember wow. even pitched my whole life, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I was like, "Oh damn!" Like the world really revolves, huh? Like I, it's now my turn to freaking pitch. Yeah. And when that point of time, uh, when I was tasked that, I was very nervous, even though I had experience speaking to people, so mm-hmm. it was not like a weird thing. Um, I even taught people how to pitch and then now it's my turn to pitch like why can't I just basically do what I preach you know and it was like I think it was an accumulation of like you know that you telling yourself about like you've actually done everything you could and you basically just take it all in and then deliver right Mm. and I think it was a lot of self conversation with my head with myself like basically like you can do this you're gonna do this and stuff like that it was a lot of like perfectionist in me and so on so forth and yeah, it was intense. Anyway, but basically the communication <laughs> bit aspect, um, I think um, it was, I realized that like, you know, the exposure I had in school, yeah. um, I was comfortable with speaking with people and then pitching and consulting. Then I realized I know what I'm talking about. Mm. You know, I've done the yeah. training. I've taught people how to do it. Yeah. And then like later on when you it happened, product, you know the product. Yeah, you know that it's, yeah. it, it's not that bad. Like, yeah. you know, you just basically need to talk. Yeah. And yeah, I think Zen saw how bad I was the first few rounds. <laughs> I was so nervous. I could feel my fingertips sweating. I remember when I was pitching, actual pitching. That I wouldn't know because you were remote. <laughs> you were remote. <laughs> you were remote. That I wouldn't I'm know. I'm so glad you we were remote. I wouldn't know what to do with my hands. Right. Like, I remember while I was pitching, you know, I had yeah. a script and I was like, oh, pitching, pitching, trying to sound as natural as possible. Yeah. And I was looking at my fingertips and I was like, oh my God, I didn't know fingertips could sweat. <laughs> Like, literally, that's the first time I came into my mind. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's why I realized that, like, uh, that happened. And I think with the um, team communication and collaboration and mm. stakeholder management, I didn't know all could happen at the same time. Mm. Like, you know, I think when we were in a startup, right. like, the, in, the communication and stakeholder management was freaking crucial mm. like one slip up can literally just mess everything up like alignment issues and stuff like that so I think all my life you technically do manage expectations of parents you know where you're going of and yourself. stuff like that of yourself you know even in uni you know how yeah. you plan your time how you talk to your yeah. lecturers I think all of that you realise when you look back you're like huh you've actually been practising this all your life and everything just kind of like help mm. you to become who you are Right. Yeah. I mean, the way you put it, it, it's it's pretty interesting that, I guess startups. If you're if you're if you're thinking about going into it or mm. or, uh, wanting to start one, oof, uh, mm. it's kind of like really a testing ground for everything that you have learned. In the past, it is. Right. It is like everything you've done in your life. I mean, like even Steve Jobs, right? He was saying that yeah. like he never he took like one module of design. Yeah. Like for something And he was like He didn't even know What was the purpose And then look at him now And you know Back then with Apple Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just, he just I, I remember he was just Really obsessed with calligraphy And that's why he was Obsessed over Exactly Yeah So it's like yeah. Those small things That I would 
seem, I mean, you know, I mean, I was thrown into projects that I didn't even like. Mm. But I realized I learned so many things from it mm. that I shouldn't have been so like in my own mind and mm. like, oh my god, I should, right. I hate this job, I hate this, I hate that. Yeah. I think it's more focusing on things that like whatever you gain from uh-huh. anything you do uh-huh. can actually contribute you to the next project or the next work or the next job or whatever you want to do. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Maybe the follow-up question to that is that is there something that you didn't expect to be useful at all, but you came like, hey, I didn't, I didn't know that this could be useful, but thank God I, 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 I was kind of exposed to it, right? So, oh yeah, I think one of the projects we did, uh, I think we had an activation program, so we uh-huh. spoke to users and stuff like that. Um, so there was a time of uh, my life that I really wanted to be a VJ. <laughs> I really, I don't know why it was so cool, you know, having mics and just talking to yourself and. Uh, so we had a couple of sessions speaking to participants and users. We were doing it remotely. Yeah. I was feeling myself. And I was so comfortable. I remember at that point, I think I already pitched. So I guess I got the comfort already. Yeah. And I realized like it was so much fun. And I really enjoyed myself. And uh, yeah, I, would, I don't think I would have gone... I've gotten that confidence or that level of comfort if I didn't have to go through everything that I've gone through yeah. with all the speaking publicly and not yeah. not. So yeah, <laughs> it was quite funny. I mean, I can. I, I always welcome a co-host if you want to be a co-host. <laughs> I can. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, like we we built a. I'm, I I think I think the wonderful thing about you know what we did what at at mm. was that we we uh it's it's safe to say that we've actually have seen a lot of uh you know, users coming to tell us stories yeah. about how you know the platform has helped mm-hmm. uh, has helped them and it's always very heartwarming and a good reminder in terms of like why we did what we did yeah. do you remember there was a, a memorable experience or a story um, that kind of made you felt very grateful for you know uh, the, the work that you do yeah uh, so I think when I oh yeah I remember I think because like I managed the reviews I managed mm. the user feedback so I monitor this every week and there was one time, so we were actually looking, we were doing a newspaper, like a publication feature. Mm. Um, so we were supposed to look for users who can be a testimony and story to be interviewed and whatnot. So I was looking through a database and I was like, okay, so this user and that user, blah, blah, blah. And I found this user, I was like, okay, you know, seems from, just from a statistics perspective that mm. I felt that this user might be suitable for this right. kind of uh, testimony. So I spoke to her and I think before I spoke to her, I didn't know what to expect. And I think uh, back then, our whole team mission, you know, is always about like, oh, we want to bring mental health accessibility, mm-hmm. you know, so that they don't have to step off their own home to yeah. talk about their mental health. And we were always like, oh no, safe space, safe space. I mean, it was, it was ingrained in our head, but we've never really seen or heard anyone actually say that our mission has been achieved. Right. Um, and so this user, before we actually go and pass her to publication, so I had a chat with her before we, you know, to see whether her story She's okay was okay. Story yeah. Um, so she was saying that literally she was iterating the mission that we had in wow. mind. She was saying that like without me pre- preempting, okay, Using I didn't. There was no bias. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Okay. She was saying that like you know, um, yeah. she was so shy. She yeah. would never talk about mental health ever to anyone, and the fact that she had it in her phone, she really truly can ex- engage with her mental health anytime, anywhere. <laughs> I was like, are you reading off our website? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, and like uh-huh. she was saying that like. Um, you know, she really doesn't have to go anywhere and mm. people can't trace her. Yeah. Like she's, oh, she's at a yeah. psychology center. Yeah. Um, she can be in her own home. She can be basically texting anyone, but she's texting mm. her psychologist. And that stuck to me a long time. Oh. Then I realized that, you know, it could be just me 
debugging one day, but it's basically changing people's lives, like mm. basically them engaging and making them feel more fit in a more mental health perspective, right? Mm. So yeah, I remember her until wow. until today. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I mean like that that definitely sounds like I I I think it's a testimony in terms of uh the product kind of like sold itself mm. in that in that in that sense yeah. that you 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 can get just get your user to uh, yeah. articulate back in terms of what you intend to yeah. achieve without telling them yeah, or yeah, feeding yeah. them any yeah. words, right? Yeah, I think the uh yeah I mean in in the early stages you know user feedback is so important that's why you know we 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 tend to really go like you know quite specific <laughs> yeah uh and we obviously heard good and bad as well. Yeah. Um, since we're building it, right? Mm. In, in terms of being a product manager, that that's that's kind of like part of the role, right? Yep. Being able to kind of build that user experience, uh, being able to understand what they want, yeah, uh, and of course trying to balance it with business direction as well. Because at the end of the day, uh, you know, we're still building a business. We yep. have to survive in order for us to be able to achieve the yep. impact that we want. So as a kind of like a product manager, that's tr- trying to kind of learn the ropes around product management and things like that, right? You know, what do you think are some of the key things that you you kind of learned that it is important if you want to kind of you know embark on this kind of rules, right? Oh, okay. So I think a bit of background first. Uh, mm. for product management, I think in Asia is still quite um young mm-hmm. compared to or less mature compared to like US and so on. Mm. So traditionally, um, PM roles would be people who graduate with computer science mm. or software engineering Makes sense. Uh, whatnot and then eventually they venture to PM um, but in Malaysia now generally anyone can kind of become a PM so to me I'm very lucky for where I came from and I'm glad that how things came out for my own path I wouldn't say that it will work out for everyone but I think for me personally it just worked out in my favor um, but then now there is a, a different kind of PM there's two types of PM generally there's technical PM and there's also business uh, mm. PMs so as the word kind of like uh, means it's basically technical you focus more on the I guess how of a product how it works and I guess from a business one um, more on the why right. of why you want to do a product mm. so I think there are two different ways I think if you're you know you come from computer science or you're coming for data science or engineering you can go from a technical product manager um, if you come from business or marketing or whatever it may be you can still become a business product manager um, so but I think uh, what helped me the most uh, when I was transitioning into product management, um, even from consulting to the software and even from consulting to Thoughtful, um, was focusing more on the transferable skills. Mm. Um, so, you know, look into the things that um, stakeholder management, you know, alignment and really like how you communicate to one person to another, not trying to sugarcoat things, uh, but also saying what it is but also trying to juggle hati, oh sorry, uh, trying to make sure that they are feeling okay. You know, so it's not trying to, it's all about how you communicate to people right. without actually making others feel less than right. or more than. Right. Uh, second is really understanding what is needed uh, from a product manager kind of role. So look into what sort of skills they generally would have. So basically like, okay, be able to do user research or stakeholder management and kind of like, look into your own job scope of whether you are able to accommodate to kind of those kind of skills. Uh, last but not least, definitely user uh, empathy. So I think really figure any way. I mean, there's also structures and frameworks on how to actually do user research and interviews, but you always do anything 
first in mind is actually your users. And this one doesn't have to be a PM that only you have to speak to users. It could be you going to a meeting. Let's say I'm going to be going to call with you, right, Zen? Right. And I'm like, okay, I know how Zen's like. Mm-hmm. Maybe Zen has expectations. Maybe Zen has certain needs that he wants to accomplish. And me knowing those, coming in and really clarifying those, that's technically me understanding you and being empathetic yeah. to you. So those kind of things that... Um, you kind of need to harness and I think it's fine once you have those kind of skills that eventually you can actually venture into product mm-hmm. management. Yeah. Right. You did a lot of the user research work that I, I still yeah. remember that you were yeah. basically comparing different kind of experiences even if yeah. it's not related to the specific industry that, that they were in. Mm. And you know, a lot of your work is also trying to kind of map out that, that, that user journey. Right? Do you think those, those skills are, as they are trying to like, I guess, you know, venture into this role, they're trying to do a career pivot in that sense. Do they have to, I don't know, like do some Google certification in product management or whatever it is, right? Mm. Because stakeholder management and, and, and all that are super important. Yeah. Right? Uh, are there some like foundational stuff that you need to make sure that you kind of get the lingo first, right? Yeah. yeah. So I think what I did was, uh, when I f- before I joined Thoughtful, I actually joined some uh, LinkedIn learning uh, and also some Udemy courses mm. on like introduction to product management. Right. Um, so I think is what's key is that at least you know what a product life cycle is like. Mm. You know what sort of documents are required, and you know what sort of things are. I what mean structure with, right? sprints and yeah. how it's structured. Right. Uh, those kind of things generally you need to know how uh, communication styles are needed mm. and how you actually what's your day to day job what's expected of you. So those kind of things definitely important. Uh, but I think another aspect, I mean, apart from knowing your users and knowing what your day-to-day job is, yeah. um, I think it's also to look into um, research. So this doesn't just limit to users. It could be like the landscape research about what's happening in industry. Mm. Or it could happen like from technological trends, anything that's happening now. So for example, ChatGPT, how would that actually impact your business and so on? So it could be anything, but basically you have to be up to date in this kind of stuff and see how that impacts you it may not but if it does how would it actually benefit you or not benefit you yeah so it's always that kind of thinking that kind of have to have at the back of your mind to kind of see where it comes in yeah talking about sprints right because Mm. um in in managing a kind of like technical software product right yeah they generally run in so-called sprints which Mm. are a finite amount of time so generally speaking three to four weeks Mm. uh, or sometimes you know one to two weeks for example Mm. depending on the company and the context Um, and to kind of deliver a certain you know for the lack of a better word like features buttons you know whatever it may be Um, and essentially during those sprints you have uh, different teams right so you have you know product managers like yourself you have your software engineers usually involved and then you also sometimes also have like the stakeholder involved as well right Um, and then you know we, we spoke about uh, talking to these different teams uh, and getting them together is yeah. probably one of the key things that a product manager have to do. Yeah. Can you share a little bit about... We, we, we say as though like, you know, these are like not a different... Uh, a, a human that speaks a different language, <laughs> you know what I mean? When we say like we need to learn how to speak to these different kinds of stakeholders, right? Yeah. Can you share a little bit of, in terms of like what, what, what do you mean by that, right? You know, learning how to speak with these different teams, right? Yeah. So imagine, I mean, you know, if I were to laymanize it... Uh, so imagine you have a group of like uh, your one parent with you and you have a kid a baby you have a toddler mm-hmm. you have a teenager right. and you have a new newlywed whatever it may be okay. so you have a group of people yeah. who are from different backgrounds okay. different expertise yeah. and different understanding mm-hmm. of things 
but one great thing about like generally product management as a whole, everyone knows what their role is. Yeah. It's just basically their understanding and the impact of what they need mm. is different. So I think when this, what I meant was basically um, knowing what every team needs to know, mm. what sort of language style they like, right. what they require, what are their, um, I guess their, I want to say backlogs, I guess the things that they are usually, they push back on or things that are more concerned on. Because um, we're all humans at the end of the day, right? We all have our preferences. We all have our, um, you know, um, things we just takes us off or triggers. Mm-hmm. I think as product managers, you are, as much as you're doing other things, the main thing I would say is actually how you manage people. You should know what designers like to say or what would be their concern. What engineers, in terms of feasibility, for example, mm. you have to be there and be able to address it before you even even suggest the idea for other data analysts or different stuff. So you basically have to map that all out, understanding from each stakeholder on how this will impact them and kind of laymanize it and also communicate them in a language that they understand. Right. It's just basically speaking like to another group of people that you've never spoken to. So mm. you're the translator right. in that way or another. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And was there a situation where um, they kind of pushed back on I don't know, like the, the usual trope that we see out there when it comes to <laughs> product management and you know, yeah. software engineers is like, you know, we promise something to be delivered within a single day. Yeah. And they say like, hey, that takes a month, man. Yeah. yeah. So I have no technical background mm-hmm. and I have a very imaginative mind. <laughs> so it's a very bad combination. Uh, so usually I would, um, you know, I have this idea in mind we discussed with other product team members and we're like haha sounds feasible obviously in my mind but not looking on the technical side you know whether it is feasible in a specific duration of time right um so i think as pms uh you should be fluid and what i mean is that it's not saying that you should be so um amiable i'm saying that more of the fact that if you have an idea in mind especially for me, who don't have a technical background and know, don't really know how the feasibility aspect of things, especially when it comes to new things, right? Mm-hmm. And I think where I come in is basically like, okay, this is an idea I have and what do you guys think about it? So make them part of the discussion. Make them be involved mm-hmm. in how things are being run. And I think where I come in usually, which was very helpful, was that I have a different perspective of things. Like, mm-hmm. let's say this is difficult. I'm like, oh, okay, then try a different one. Like, and these people are like, oh, we never really thought about that. So I think as a PM... Don't limit yourself in terms of like, okay, I want to do this done and I need to be done by X amount of time. It's a collaborative effort and I think that's where you come in to make sure the collaboration happens, communication's been okay, and then it should be fine, usually. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> usually. <laughs> but, yeah. Right. And, you know, it, it sounds like at the end of the day, you know, yes, it's a collaborative aspect, mm. but there, there is... There are there are situations where you have to make decisions, and being a being a part of a startup, you have yeah. to make a lot of decisions. And sometimes, you know, time just doesn't wait for you. Yeah. There's no such thing as you know waiting for clearance. Yeah, uh, waiting for clearance, you know, all the way for for weeks and months. Yes, mm. um, and that's com- uncomfortable. I I've, I've learned that <laughs> quite the hard way in terms of like you know being able to kind of maintain a confidence while you make I... certain decisions that you've never made before and yeah. never tried before, right? And so for you, in terms of how do you kind of like maintain your confidence when you're trying to really just try different things and you know you're about to make that decision right? so how yep. do you maintain that kind of like confidence for yourself mm. so I think um, I was there I, I mean I was there from we started right yeah. so I basically knew 
how things progressed, mm. how sort of things, uh, features, buttons, designs, and mm. so on. Um, so I knew the product in and out. I can confidently say that even up to today. Right. And when we when these things happen, and you know we're expected to ex- to give a decision like yeah. in the moment attack because we have to launch next week or whatever it has to be in the next couple of days. Um, I think even our engineering team sometimes might not be on top of things and that's normal that's, that's expected for product managers to there's know so what's happening so there's many so many things right? exactly um, so I think uh, for me whenever those kind of things happen especially urgent matters or things that is like a derivative of a feature that we've already done that's my call basically I need to sit down and see what we have map out every option that we potentially can embark on mm-hmm. and just take the fastest road out or whatever needs to be expected done. so I right. think number one is definitely know your product inside out yeah. And spend like, time doing that. Spend a lot of time doing that. Yeah. And that's the only way you can find I guess for us at that point of time, we yeah. were looking more on I guess quick fixes and so lower hanging fruits that yeah. bring the most sure. impact. Yeah. Um so I think at that point we need to I guess maximize what we have currently, yeah. but also elevate that to become yeah. something on of a different kind. So you can't do those things if you don't know what we have. Yeah. You will eventually end up building or doubling your effort in terms of if you don't actually need it because you already have it. Right. So it's kind of like yeah. cooking, right? Like in terms of like yeah, you gotta know your ingredients. Uh, exactly. How does how does onion smell like? You know, exactly. If it's burnt, how long how long before it burns? Yeah, <laughs> and you need to know why it's important. Yeah. Like if let's say a textural element is important, yeah. then you don't have cashew nut, for example. Then yeah. what can you replace it with? Something else with a structure. Yeah. But you look into things that has a similar characteristic, right? Or else. Yeah. It it just does, doesn't really serve its purpose to begin with. Yeah. So yeah. I, 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 what what I found fun when you know when I was still involved with, yeah. with, with product, <laughs> in product yeah. management together with you in the in the in the in the, in the beginning was really yeah. figure out a way to make things work within the confines that we have. Mm. Right. It's let's yeah. say like for example, hey, we need to deliver a certain feature that we have never built before, but we yeah. kind of need it in to work to a certain extent for yeah. a certain timeline. Then how do we make it work? Right. How do we test it out so that before we invest further effort into it yeah, uh, and you know, further invest engineering and time into this to kind of just test it out yeah. I find that really fun because like you know you're just really trying to find ways to uh, test things out within like uh, within 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 weeks or within days and yeah. stuff, right so I, I, I find that being able to kind of work within a constraint is kind of kind of fun and interesting it because is, if yeah. you tell me like give you a blank sheet of paper right sometimes I don't even know where to begin but if you yeah. give me certain parameters and, yeah. and constraints that that tends to be more fun because you're trying to squeeze out the max yeah. <laughs> out of the kind of constraints that you have right yeah yeah so that that for me was pretty 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 fun it's pretty fun uh, I think uh, one challenge I have for sure I think there's something like I think it's not as said as often uh, from all the product podcasts or product courses mm. was that um, when you do A-B testing so A-B testing is basically you see which version or which option yeah. does better Facebook does that to me all the time all you know how time. I know like <laughs> my wife's version of Instagram and mine totally different buttons oh wow yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah I can literally see it in front of me and say like, hey where's, where do you find that button so how come mine don't have that button so clearly my wife and I has been has been sent into a group A and group B to test the different yeah, buttons yeah, yeah, and yeah. Out. so those things yeah. I think uh, we, I think once the product kind of grows uh, I think one underrated challenge yeah. was that when you do new features entirely um, A-B testing right so the thing is you'd want to have minimal effort mm-hmm. you don't want to dedicate months in terms of like de- development but you want to make sure that it's good enough yeah. you know so that you can really test out whether yeah. it actually works or not but the thing is, like, I remember there was a dilemma that I discussed with uh, our team members. That I was like, oh my god, like, this feature's not doing great. 
within A-B testing. So does it mean not great? Or is it because we didn't develop it enough? Mm. You know, is this too MVP? Is this... Yeah, you're going to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, it's a rabbit hole. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, should we develop it further? Like, even though it's doing bad, does it is mean... Is that MVP, that... not MVP? Right? <laughs> Maybe we should make it a bit better. Um, so I think that's one of the judgment calls. Right. I think as a PM, you okay. should make. Yeah. Um, to know that like, these kind of things is very gut feeling. Mm. Um, you do have to work with the resources you have at hand. Right. Um, but if you believe in certain things, don't get so attached on any idea you right. have. But if you want to test it out, make sure you yeah. control as many variables as you can. But even if you cannot, and you still believe it can somehow work, take it as a pinch of salt. Yeah. Do some user interviews and figure a way to kind of test it. I guess question your own hypothesis in your yeah. own mind. Here comes the data, people. What about the insights? What about the metrics? You exactly. Know? What is this gut feel thing coming <laughs> on, right? Exactly. So yeah. get numbers to justify those gut feeling. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think one thing for as a PM, I mean, I constantly hear this across different conferences that I've been to, is that PM's worst enemy is their own bias. Mm. You know, when even when we interview users, we're like, yeah, do you like this or you like this? Sure. Like, yeah, that's oh, sure. exactly what I want to hear. Okay, idea. thank Great you point, for the day. Right? <laughs> Literally. I'm going to so, tell this to my boss. See? <laughs> <laughs> I told you this will work. Yeah, legit. Uh, so I think, I, and this is the psychology bit comes in, right? Yeah, yeah. You would have never really, I, I mean, that helps for me because I know what bias comes from, mm. how it stems from, and you kind of be more aware about uh, how you convey messages or how you talk or mm. how you think. And so... In a way, I'm doing like 10% psychology right. <laughs> now with, with PM. Oh, that, that just triggered me, uh, yeah. my, my, my thinking around this mm. philosophy around like product management, right? Yeah. Like there are those people that, who are like diehard uh, Steve Jobs where they say like, you know what, we're not going to follow what the users say because the users don't know what they want <laughs> and they want to create their own like thing, right? It's like, yeah. you know, we're going to, this is the best way that they can have it. Yeah. And then the, obviously the other camp is like, you know, we, we need to make sure that the, the, the users, uh, you know, this is what the user want, right? Sometimes they... Yeah. So, so what do you think about that? What's your stance on that? Ooh, I believe there is... Okay, let's say for me, my approach. Yeah. Huh? So when we were working together back then, uh, I looked at it as a two-track uh, pathway. Um, so it should never limit into one you know, thinking forever. So I think what we did back then was we looked into more user-led and we also looked into more, I guess, innovation-led based on like different trends and you know different competitors, they do this and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So once we look into that two threads, then you only can see the difference whether we actually should listen to the users or not. Because I think at that point of time when we were, I mean, in the company, we cannot say which way works best mm-hmm. because we don't even know what we don't know. So I feel that like for us, that work, I mean, you know, you should always venture out. I mean, to me, should never choose one way or another unless you're sure mm. if you're Steve Jobs and you have the balls for it yeah go for it man <laughs> but I don't <laughs> so once the moment you choose really you gotta like triple down until you get, you succeed like, otherwise triple you don't down. change your mind triple down and succeed but I think to me before you yeah. tr- go down yeah, yeah. that hole make sure you've done Just your research on up. different things right. because if let's say your users are doing something right I mean it's also different features right if it's something so innovative something that doesn't even exist in your competitors or the other landscape mm-hmm then I guess it's worth trying to figure it out. But if it's something like a button, no need lah, go so crazy, right? I mean, maybe users are saying something right, you know? Mm. So s- balance out in terms of which features and so on. Yeah. Uh, but I do feel that taking one high road to just focus on what you want to do, mm-hmm. eventually, I feel that it might have an issue with product market fit eventually, if let's say, it's a lot of education problem and stuff like that. Yeah. But I feel like you should never choose one strategy or the right. other. I feel like it should be a balance of both. Right. Mm. So... 
it, it, it just sounds like, you know, you've got to be aware of different things, try, be willing to try different things. Yes. And talking about like being aware of like, you know, trends, competitors and stuff mm. like that, right? I think one of the important things uh, is really to be to be uh, to be updated. Yeah, right? and you gotta learn con- constantly. Yeah, what are some kind of like resources that you have used in the past to be able to, uh, you know, keep yourself updated on, on yeah. this kind of stuff, right? So uh, we had so we were in the mental health industry mm. and healthcare. Yeah. So we basically, I would subscribe to Mobi Health News, which is basically like a publication mm. website that does uh, healthcare news yeah. uh, coming out investors and yeah. trends and so on. So I would do subscriptions with that. So every weekly they will send like a newsletter. list newsletter, yeah. and then they would. Uh, I also subscribe to Google Alerts, mm-hmm. so you can actually subscribe to certain keywords, and they can send mm. to you on your email. So those are two main things. So every Monday morning, I would actually sit down. And just mm. look through these trends And I think Every time you look into Any news Or any trends It could be on a different company Or it could has nothing to do With your industry at all yeah. Is look into like Does this impact me? That's mm. number one Number two If this does Or it doesn't How will it impact me? So just think about that And if let's say You were to bring this to Thoughtful Or that company That you're working yeah. on now How would that actually change In terms of work or life? If it doesn't It's okay That's fine It's just more of for you To practice that kind of thinking For every article you read so basically, you practice that kind of like critical thinking, I guess, mm. in terms of seeing whether things or trends can actually come in. Right. So, yeah, this is my mission, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think the past uh, couple of years, there's been you know, quite a lot of movement and we've seen, we've seen the boom of uh, funding and investment and then obviously yeah. we, we, we saw the winter of yeah. uh, investment as well. Mm. You know, stressful times, right? Yeah. Um, you know, how how do you how do you how how do you kind of find 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 that balance for your for yourself as well, mm. right? You know, working in you know a highly <laughs> demanding job as well, right? Mm. You mean as a person? Yeah, as a person. my own balance. Mm. Uh, so I think when we first started, we were a five person team yeah. for at least about mm. a year. Uh, I don't remember much of that year. <laughs> it's I like feel... every every person counts, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. twenty twenty and twenty twenty two. It's kind of like everything rolled into like it one was blur. it was a blur. I mean, yeah. the pandemic aside, yeah. like even when we were working. I mean, when people ask me what I did, I did have a sheet of like mm. the stuff I did. Yeah. But also like, huh, that all really felt like it was rolled into one. Um. So I think back then I mean even now we also mm. vouch for that work-life balance and yeah. really try to make sure that you are I guess self-love and self-care in mm. some way or form yeah. and I think for me personally mm. I would always make time for a bit more uh, things that I love so I mm. really like working out yeah yeah mm-hmm. and so I would at least you know take the I wake up earlier in the morning or I sleep later at night to basically squeeze that in to just make me feel a bit more um, uplifted in mm. certain form one. Uh, so yeah, I think a lot of like more intentional movement kind of right. like slotting in here and there yeah. where I could. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to kind of find that balance like obviously with your health as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. You know, trying to kind of find that, that, that intentional physical yeah. outlet, right? You know, yeah. Trying to kind of like read more around yeah. uh, this and I realised that, you know, I think physical movement, I've lost a lot of it simply because um, perhaps it's an excuse But I just like to play Team sports in general mm, mm, It's mm, hard mm, as heck uh, yeah. When you are so busy And timing is, is an issue timing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff, right? So I'm trying to Kind of find Different ways to reframe Those exercises That I don't like <laughs> yeah. To kind of just Put that balance back right? And I, I'm, I'm glad I, I'm really en- I really envy people Such as yourself That is able to find uh, Joy and purpose In yeah. 
in like the gymming and the and the and the high intensity kind of workout. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm trying to kind of find that for myself as well. And you know, as as kind of like the last few questions, right? In terms of like, um, were there some of the you know, if you can think of a kind of like an aha moment mm-hmm. that you had, uh, in your in your career so far, and you you needed to kind of pass this on to someone, it's kind of like your last advice to someone. <laughs> it's like what are some of the things that you want to. You want to tell them, right? It's like, hey, you know, this will be helpful. Mm. I think you said this one um, to always be curious mm-hmm. and uh, just uh, just look at things. And you know, the attitude yeah. you have and the mindset you have is that you should always be willing to learn. Mm. Um, and it's not about being humble or being an expert in matter of things. It's basically like. It's appreciating every perspective and always trying to expand in every way or form that you could. Mm. So I think if I were to look back, I mean, maybe five, ten years on my own personal life, even some advice I would give myself is number one, don't stop being curious. Just read up anything, you know, and don't limit yourself. Number two is just gather as much perspectives as you can and network as much as you can. So Mm. I think obviously for PMs, one thing I realized, so I think you knew back in May, yeah. was it May, May this year, yeah. I went to a product conference, yeah, 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 and I remember yeah. it was great, you know, going to a group of people who uh-huh. felt the same way that mm-hmm. I did, all the struggles as a PM that we went through, where we all could resonate with one it's another. Kind of like me too, me too, me too, me too, like yeah. yay, we're on this together. Right, right, right. But what I realized was that PM was one of the jobs that we realized that it's not trans. I guess we cannot really compare apple to apple to one another. Mm. So we have a person on a speaker be like, oh, you know, guys, we should do A, B, C. And you're like, huh, we do A, B, C. But the thing is, it's very hard, you know? And that's what I remember this was one speaker. He said, you should speak to your users every week. And I'm like, Ideally <laughs> But I'm like It takes a lot of preparation To yeah. speak to users And it takes a lot of Post speaking to the users And really documenting On what yeah. next to do next And everything Because yeah. it's, it's what a you lot do of with work. it After that right? Yeah It's a lot of work And like You know And we're a lean team yeah. uh, Then And I was like You know Trying to take these learnings And realise that like Everyone has their own approach To things We have our fundamental I guess like Things that we need to do As a PM As a product manager mm. But it's it's really like how you interpret it based yeah. on the resources you have at hand, based on what the objectives in terms of business direction you have. Like it's so subjective. Right. You have to take it in terms of like you really need to contextualize it and see how right. it is. Um, so listen, but apply with discernment. Yes, you know. <laughs> so don't like take it at a face value yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, so back to your question was, yeah. uh, if I were to advise anyone, yeah. number it's just two things. Yeah. Is more of the attitude you have. One is just keep being curious. Mm. Never stop. I don't think this one should ever stop until you yeah. the way you die, I think. Yeah. And second is always be open to trying new things. Mm. I think one thing that I'm very grateful for was that I think in consulting back then, I used to envy my colleagues who felt that like, oh, consulting was the way to go. I'm like, how are you so certain on things that you want to be, you know? You just started working for like three years. And then when I, I obviously I was so open-minded in terms of learning new things, and I wouldn't have actually pondered upon product management if I wasn't so open. So to me, always be open to trying new things and just be curious forever because mm. you never know what life might lead you, what things you might like, what things you don't like. It's more of a self-exploration that I'm really vouching for. So, and it applies to career and also personal development. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, let's, let's end on a fun one, right? Uh, yes. This may sound a bit weird. 
<laughs> but is there a particular uh, failure? <gasps> your favorite failure, let's call it right. Oh. Uh, you know, one of because of the you know obviously the valuable lessons that that it taught you, or perhaps it's just very amusing that you know now that you look back, right? Is there like a favorite failure of yours? Because it, it's kind of related to product management, right? We talk about failure day, right? Or messed up day. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's a thing where, you know, you just showcase how, how badly you messed up and everybody laugh about it, right? Yeah. And learn from it, right? So was there like a, kind of like a, I don't know, a, fa- a favorite failure of yours? A favorite failure. Okay, so this one's not related to the two things I mentioned just now. Mm. <laughs> so I think uh, as PMs, your attention to detail has to be like top notch. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you do not have any discount to say that you messed up or you missed out a detail. Like, right. you should be the person that goes through yeah. everything. Uh-huh. And this one, you know. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I feel like... Tell me. <laughs> so, the payout uh, matters uh-huh. that we had, I think, in uh-huh. two years ago. Right. So, um, we were uh, giving a service. I mean, we pay our mental professionals for the services yeah, for they the have services given. Yeah. Um, so, I think what happened was that we changed in terms of how we pay and the rates that we were paying Mm -hmm. and I misunderstood (laughs) (laughs) and And while I was processing and Zen was being an angel he trusted me he didn't question me but obviously my thinking was slightly different I didn't clarify I just gave that we underpaid we eventually then compensated accordingly Um, but I told you this was the amount and you're like yeah okay cool so we you know do the Mm. necessary uh, things and then we found out later on that we underpaid Mm -hmm. and uh, obviously a lot of people were unhappy (laughs) including myself okay i was also unhappy with my own performance (laughs) but uh, i think that really like got to me that i'm like okay you have no i mean as much as how busy you are Mm. whatever you do don't just slack off because you just have a lot of things on your plate like put as much attention to detail as much as you can and like you know, when you're looking at anything you do, speaking into a call or having a conversation, a quick huddle mm. on Slack, like put your all to it. Don't like, I mean, be present, you know, and be, present, be like, right. be like, yeah. you know, make sure you have everything you need to know. If you're reviewing a document, make sure you look through a couple of times. I think that lesson, I mean, although like it affected me personally, I don't need to have other people scolding me already. I was so disappointed in myself. Right, right. I'm like, I should have been more detail-oriented and mm. I think I was just so consumed with so many other things mm-hmm. that I felt that like there's no excuse you know like it's your job mm. no matter what it's your task you're supposed to get it right and you get it right so I think yeah I guess it's a funny excuse now huh? it's a funny story now but back <laughs> then it wasn't so funny <laughs> I know, right? it, was, it, <laughs> it wasn't was like so a, funny but it yeah was, it's it a, was impactful for sure yeah, yeah it was impactful it yeah. transcends all across everything not just like products I think when projects or mm. any conversations that I had. Like, I remember every meeting I had, I'm like, I ain't leaving yeah. it to faith. No, I'm not leaving not it to memory. No, I'm going to make sure I clarify during the meeting. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that actually shaped <laughs> how I thought about things. So right, yeah. right, right. I, did, I mean, obviously, I knew, <laughs> I knew about that, 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 that incident now that yeah. you reminded me, but I never knew the, I guess, like, <laughs> the gravitas of it, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. It's interesting. But, you know, thank you so much for spending time with me. It's no, been yes. fantastic being able to have this conversation. <laughs> you know, obviously, even though we knew each other out of this, but, yeah. uh, you know, there were so many things I didn't know and I'm, okay. I, I, I find it really fascinating to be able to learn from you today as well. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Zen. Thank you.